Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome inside the Sporting Tribune today. Adrian Hernandez here. Thanking everyone who's tuned in right now on ESPN Radio 1090. The mighty 1090, that is. The Hawaii Sports Radio Network. The Bet Las Vegas. And for those joining us visually, Believe TV, FUBU TV, and all of our streaming services. Like I said, Sporting Tribune today. Adrian Hernandez. Different Office, different space than I'm doing the show. Matter of fact, we are live here from Disney World, much to the dismay of my family who is off camera, who wanted me to just enjoy my vacation fully. I couldn't do it. We're in football season. Playoffs are starting in the WNBA, so we need to make sure you guys are covered, which is what we'll do here in the next hour. Matter of fact, we got some guests lined up for today's show. Joining us here in a few moments from The Athletic, Sabrina Merchant, one of the best women's basketball writers in the country. She just launched a new and the first ever podcast specifically for women's basketball with the athletic so we'll talk about the podcast and of course we'll get into these WNBA playoffs our home base is in las vegas we're trying to see if the aces can go back to back and then we'll be joined by a legend his name's al snow and he's a part of a new show with netflix called wrestlers that is out now but first let's dive in 10 toes deep into the WNBA playoffs with sabrina merchant I said she was joining us 60 seconds ago, and thanks to the power of the internet, she is here joining us from The Athletic on the day that the WNBA playoffs have officially started. Sabrina Merchant is joining us, writes about women's basketball for The Athletic, and also the newly launched Athletics Women's Basketball Show. Sabrina, happy playoff day? Yeah, happy playoffs. Excited for this all to get going. Yeah, so just to let everybody know, we're recording this on Wednesday, the first uh, first day of the playoffs. This will come out on Friday as some of these first-round games and game ones are underway. But before we get to any of that, um, I told Sabrina, like, hey, I'm sorry, we have to record this early. I'm on the East Coast. I'm not in Vegas. I'm at Disney World. And she seemed very excited that I was at Disney. So this is where we're going to start. First and <laughs> foremost, uh, what's your first Disney memory? So I've only ever been to Disneyland. I'm an LA native, born and raised. Um, I probably went to Disneyland once or twice a year, every year when I was a kid. So they've kind of all blended together. But I vividly remember the first time I was uh, not chicken enough to go on a roller coaster when I was eight years old. And I finally went on Space Mountain with my dad and my brother, as opposed to just hanging out with my mom on the other side of the park. Um, And that that was a game changer. It was. Uh, yeah, I usually chill by the Pizza Planet right next door. Um, okay, so your favorite ride? Uh, 
So I, I'm pretty sure it's still Space Mountain, um, but yes. a close second would be in California Adventure. I love Goofy Sky School. Facts. There it is. Pixar yeah. Pier. All right. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to just let you know, Disneyland is much better than Disney World. I'm only going to say that once because I am in <laughs> Disney property right now. Uh, and I love all of it, but let's get to some basketball now. Um, and before we get into the playoffs, I kind of just want to get your thoughts on, on this season and kind of like, what's the thing that sticks out to you in terms of the regular season? I know one of the big things, um, obviously Brittany Griner's return, the 40 game season. So the increase of the four games in the regular season but to you what sticks out the most just that the aces and the liberty really lived up to it you know we've been talking about them since february because of all of the additions you know candace parker and alicia clark on las vegas's side and then courtney vandersloot john quill jones brianna stewart on new york side and you see a lot of these super teams they take some time to come together on the men's side or you know they flame out because of personality differences or whatnot and these women just, they made it happen, right? Like the Aces were one of the very best basketball teams I'd ever seen when Candace Parker played. And even when she was injured, they still managed to finish the season with the number one offense and the number one defense. And then you look at New York, right on their tail, number two offense, number two defense, beat them twice in the regular season and once in the Commissioner's Cup. Like, this is what we were promised in February, and ooh, I hope we get this in the finals. And I'm so glad you used that term, super teams, because we're going to get to that here in a bit. Um, to close out some of these regular season questions, though, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this uh, three-headed MVP race uh, that most people have. Uh, where are you leaning towards? Where are you going with this? So I'm I'm very fortunate. I got to have an MVP vote this year, uh, just like last year. And last Wait, year, Sabrina, before I let yeah. you, before sorry to cut you off, just to let mm -hmm. you know, we do air in Las Vegas. I don't want to change the answer. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, don't worry. Um, last year, I actually voted for Brianna Stewart when she was on the Seattle Storm, and it was a very tough decision between that and Asia Wilson on Las Vegas. Asia obviously ended up winning uh, this year. Third, you know, candidate enters the fray with Alyssa Thomas. Uh, I actually kind of thought it was very similar to the 2017 MVP race with uh, in the NBA with Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden. Um, mm -hmm. I ended up going with Asia this year. Uh, and just so much more efficient than she was last year. I think the Aces, incredibly, like even though they built this super team because Candace Parker was out, because Raquana Williams was unavailable, seems like they had to do more with less. They only lost six games all year. They lost 10 games last year when there were six fewer games. That win percentage is freaking fantastic. Like only four teams in WNBA history have ever finished with a better win percentage than the Aces did this year. And Asia was the center of it all. Like literally, literally, figuratively, she's the energy hub of the Aces. You know, she's their metronome, the consistent piece. Like just watching her on a day-to-day -day basis, it, it seemed very clear to me that it was Asia Wilson. No, 100%. She also should be on the cover of NBA 2K24, but that's neither here nor there, just my opinion. Let's I'm also get on. fine with people who actually play video games on the cover. So, like, if you want to put Ryan Howard on the NBA 2K cover, like, I think that's a great choice. So, it might be, I think some people are caught off guard. Because, um, like, with this decision specifically, with, with Sabrina being on the cover, I completely understand. I understand what they're doing because of the 24 and the Kobe. Like, that's what they're trying to do. Um, but, Sometimes I get like very PO'd with certain things when it comes to awards and like video game covers. Cause in my head, I'm thinking like as a kid myself, like looking back when I see these awards, when I see people who are on the cover, I kind of think they tell the story of the league to a certain 
um, respect. And it's kind of like looking back at history. So it was just baffling to me that the champion, like the face of the league, wasn't on the cover. And I just, I went on a rant. People have heard it. Let's get yeah. to the playoffs. Um, so um, this is Friday. Some of the game ones have already started. Uh, and some of the other game ones, the rest of them will start later tonight as this airs. As you look at these first round matchups, um, I'm kind of very intrigued by the Liberty going up against the Mystics and not just because of the way the season finale ended, but for you, what's the one matchup that you're going to make sure you don't miss a second of? I mean, that's the one. It's New York-Washington. What's so interesting to me is I expected, you know, the 3-6 and the 4-5 to be the ones that I was really paying attention to because New York and Vegas have been so good all year. And then you give New York, I think, the best team in the bottom half of the bracket, and you give Vegas a Chicago team that, yeah, they finished with the eighth best record in the league, but like Chicago covered in all three games they played against Vegas this year. And yeah, Vegas gets some like monumental spreads when they play because they're such a good team. But those three guards are no joke. Like Kalia Copper is one of the toughest covers in the WNBA. Marina Mabry, Courtney Williams, like they're just freaking flamethrowers. They can get hot at a moment's notice. Uh, that's, that's a lot of offensive firepower for Vegas to have to deal with. And I know Vegas can score with the rest of them. They, you know, very best offense in the league, very best offense in WNBA history. Actually, they just edged out the 2019 Washington Mystics on the final day of the season. So it's not that I think that either of these teams are going to not get out of the first round, but like these are not the easiest hands they could have been dealt. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, you know, just going full, fully into the aces, uh, I'm going to be honest towards the end of the season, it wasn't just that they lost to the Liberty um, in those couple games, and then the Commissioner's Cup as well. But my hand was hovering over the the warning button or whatever you want to call it, just because last year I felt like the Aces don't win the championship if De'Erika Hamby doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that they were extremely tired last year with some of the minutes and some of the depth, which is something that gets discussed at, at nauseum when it comes to the Aces. And this year it's kind of the same thing, and it's not only that, is watching the Liberty go up against the Aces, it's that – the, the Liberty is bigger than them. They have to put so much effort defensively to try their best against a, a, a team that is just as good as them or is incredibly talented as well. And that's just on the defensive side. And I'm looking at the minutes and I'm like, oh, well, they don't have Candace. Or even if she does come back, which I'm assuming she's not going to come back at all. Like, I just, I get very concerned. Um, am I being a little dramatic or are those concerns? Is there something to those? No, I think that's absolutely fair. Like you think about that WNBA semifinal series and Becky Hammond was talking about how she had to get her biggest, baddest girl off the bench and Dierka Hamby and get her some minutes, right? Uh, like that was a huge inflection point in that series, being able to bring Hamby and that totally changed one of those games in Seattle, a series that Vegas trailed in, you know, lost home court advantage right away. I do think that the playoff schedule this year is very spaced out. Last year, they had to condense a lot of games into a shorter timeline because of the World Cup. And, you know, you look at this year's first-round schedule, the Aces play for the first game on Wednesday. They don't play their second game until Sunday. So we saw a lot of fatigue creep in for the Aces, obviously, during the end of the regular season. But they were playing stretches of, like, you know, five games in nine days or, you know, multiple yeah. times that was happening, a lot of travel on the road. This is five straight days in Vegas and two games. Like I understand that playoffs reach another level and it's going to be even harder on that core four. They're going to have to play even more minutes, but that's a lot of time to rest. And I do think that the 
the scheduling, the way that this is shaken out for the aces is kind of an unexpected advantage that I didn't see coming in because if you can like give the aces just like even a day extra of rest, I think that's going to be such a huge difference for Jackie Young's shooting percentages or just Asia Wilson's ability to keep getting to the free throw line or, you know, Chelsea Gray, I think benefited more than anybody from that week of rest that they had at the end of the regular season. So I think um, fatigue obviously is going to come into play and you look at a team like the Liberty where they just have gunner after gunner on the bench with Rain Johannes and, you know, Stephanie Dolson and then you get Kayla Thornton. Like the Aces only have that, but at least they have some more time. <laughs> yeah. And like, I guess this is where we'll transition into the Liberty. Um, now we do have a little bit of a sample size granted, it's regular season and Commissioner's Cup is its own thing, apparently, with the stats not including or, or being not counted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But with this small sample size, um, and like I said, like I just saw them on the court and I'm just like, oh, crap, like they're bigger. This is like you have to be on your P's and Q's going up against any of these teams. But the Liberty on, on defense going up against the Aces don't have to do as many things because they match up so well. Um, with this small sample size, um, number one, is this all leading to the inevitable of a Liberty Aces finals, in your opinion? And number two, if the number one question is, yes, it is, how do you see this matchup playing out? So, number one, I do think that this is leading to a Liberty Aces final. Um, I would have been slightly more concerned about New York's path if they had to go through the Dallas Wings as the three seed, but that didn't end up happening. Or if they had ended up in number one and had to play Dallas at four, I think Dallas was probably the toughest matchup they could have faced. As far as the Aces, uh, I think nobody really has challenged them other than uh, the Liberty, except for maybe the Mystics. I think the Mystics would have been a toughie. So just the Aces path is pretty clean to the finals. I think New York's path is pretty clean to the finals. And again, far and away, the two best teams are in the regular season, top two in offense, top two in defense, or actually didn't finish top two in defense. Uh, Connecticut ended up edging out in New York, but uh, net rating wise, top two in both categories. If we get to the finals, at the start of the season, I picked the Liberty to win it all. And the reason for that is because I've watched a lot of Brianna Stewart <laughs> over the past 10 years of her basketball career. And the thing with Stewie is she just wins all the time. And the fact that she hasn't won a WNBA title since 2020 and the fact that she lost to Asia Wilson in last year's postseason just made me think that it was going to be one of those balancing acts where, you know, Asia got her one year at this time, Stewie comes back and gets her. That's how I saw it coming in. First half of the season, the way the Aces played, I felt very silly about it because <laughs> the way they looked with Candace Parker, again, just some of the most beautiful basketball I've ever seen played. The, you know, that you got to replace Kia Stokes from last year's finals winning team with a top five player in WNBA history and Candace Parker, who, yeah, is not at her top five peak anymore, but still does incredible things on offense, the way that she can grab and go, initiate the offense immediately after getting a rebound, makes those three guards and Asia Wilson so much more dangerous. Defensively, allows the Aces to do so many different things with her versatility. You know, she and Asia can swap between the four and the five. They can switch, like, all of these possibilities. And then, of course, Candace gets hurt. And it's not so much that New York has gotten better. I just think Vegas's level has taken a little bit of a dip. And that's nothing against the Aces. They're still a phenomenal team. It's just they became a super team because they added a two-time MVP, a former defensive player of the year, a W25 player. Like, stop me when I run out of things to say about Candace Parker. But now they're just the team that won the championship. And yeah, that's still a title-winning team. But like, the Aces had it tough last year, right? I mean, Phoenix pushed them in the first game of the first round. Seattle is up 1-0 on them and like 
easily could have won that series. I mean, think about that game three overtime win. Like that was an unbelievable set of execution from the aces down the stretch that could have gone either way. Even yeah. in the uh, finals, you know, Connecticut almost has them in game one, almost has them in game four, if not for like that Raquana Williams flurry in the fourth quarter. Like this is a team, again, deserving champions, but I wouldn't say that they ran through the field last year. And New York is better than any of the teams that they had to play a year ago. So I'm, you know, aces have home court. The Liberty have proven that that kind of doesn't mean anything to them because they did win in Las Vegas during the Commissioner's Cup final. Again, not in the stats. According to the regular season record, the only team that the Aces lost to at home was the Los Angeles Sparks, who aren't even in the playoffs. But I think the home court is going to matter a smidge. And so I have the Aces as the favorites. Um, If you, like, gun to my head asking me to pick, I think I would take the Liberty. But it's so close. I would not be surprised either way. I, I like I'm I'm very curious. I don't know the reasoning and I should living here in Vegas why some of these games have, have been at T Mobile Arena, which for those that don't know that they're listening, um where the Aces play Mikola Bolter Arena attached to Mandalay Bay is ten thousand. T Mobile Arena is where the Golden Knights play. That's seventeen thousand. Mm-hmm. I feel like game one will be at T Mobile Arena as well. Um mm-hmm. And maybe just stay there throughout Aces management. Maybe just stay there throughout the playoffs. Get some more money off the tickets and make As it, it even rolls more into louder. The finals, though, they might even run into you know conflicts with the Knights. So, yeah, no, that's that's yeah. true too. So we'll see what happens. Regardless, it is going to be very loud and very passionate, and and I'm so looking forward to it. Um, Sabrina Merchant uh, joining us here on the Sporting Tribune today, and um, she's got a podcast. She's got a lot of things going on. We're going to get to them here coming up in a second. Uh, One thing I do want to talk to you about is it's kind of, I don't want to say coach speak, but I know that throughout the year, um, even in from the off season leading up to now, uh, some of that super team talk from both teams has been like, neither of us are super teams. Like, that's just them being the quarterback at the press conference after the game, not giving anybody anything, because this is what this is. Like, in my opinion, this is the Warriors against the Cavs in the finals with Kyrie and Kevin and LeBron versus Steph, Clay, and Dre. Like, this is what this is, right? Oh, I 100% agree. Like, Asia Wilson can say get back to me when we've won eight titles, then you can call me a super team. But when you assemble a starting lineup full of all-stars with multiple former MVPs, multiple players who were all WNBA first team last year, like there's just no other word for it. You are a super team. Like I, I appreciate that they're trying to temper expectations and, you know, pay respect to all of the teams of the past. Like, yeah, in New York, I can see not wanting to call themselves a super team because they literally haven't won together. But just because they haven't won together, like salute, Champion, probably could have been finals MVP in 2021. Stewie, two-time champion, two-time finals MVP. John Cole Jones, former MVP. Like, you put this kind of talent together, that there's only one way to describe it, right? Like, I filled out my old WNBA teams. I think six of the top 10 are from these two teams. Like, that's an insane consolidation of talent when there's still 10 other teams in the league. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's crazy. And like... We're just, we hope everything plays out as it should to be able to see this on that stage. Um, before we before we get out of here, um, please talk about the new podcast. I know it's newly launched and where everyone can go check it out. Yeah, I'm so excited. We finally have a women's basketball podcast at The Athletic. It is called The Athletic Women's Basketball Show. Uh, we'll have episodes dropping twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. 
Uh, Tuesdays, you can expect more of a, like what's happening in the league, game breakdown type of situation. Uh, Fridays, we're trying to get in more into the the issues, the storylines off the court that are facing the W and women's college basketball once that season starts. I'd highly recommend going back to our uh, episode that aired last Friday, which is about WNBA travel. Um, the teams all have charter during the postseason, thank goodness, but it's still a worthwhile topic listening to uh, as we head into a year where the WNBA can opt out of its current collective bargaining agreement, maybe make some changes to its travel you know, arrangement. Uh, yeah, so make sure listen to that show. It's hosted by Zena Keda, myself, and Ben Pickman and Chantel Jennings of The Athletic will all be appearing on it regularly, and I think we're going to have a really good time there. Yeah, it is a good time. Go check them out. And Sabrina, as someone new in the space, less than two years covering the Aces, just want to say thank you for what you do and kind of being like a guide, a guide as, as how to do this and how to do this correctly and good. So thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Once again, much love to Sabrina Merchant for joining us from The Athletic and, of course, with us being here in Las Vegas. Well, not right now because I'm at Disney World, but you get what I'm saying. Home base is Vegas throughout the WNBA playoffs as the Aces hopefully make a repeat push to win a title again. We will have full coverage, and you can check out that coverage not only here every Friday and throughout the weekend on Believe TV, FUBU TV, and all of our streaming services and everyone listening to us on the radio but on social media as well at the sporting trip from tiktok to x to threads to instagram and oh yeah the sporting tribune.com this is adrian hernandez this is the sporting tribune today al snow the legend joins us next We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Hey, welcome back to the Sporting Tribune today. And you know I get excited when I get a chance to be able to talk about some wrestling. And that is exactly what we're going to do. I'm also excited because I've been a lifelong fan of the man joining us right now, Al Snow. Joining us on behalf of not only the legendary OVW, but Netflix as well. This is debuting on a Friday, which means it's already out on Netflix um, get to it, a seven-part docu-series that goes behind the scenes of the legendary OVW from the people that made shows like Last Chance You and Cheer. So with all that being said, first off, Al, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I told you before we started the interview that I'm on the road. I'm actually on vacation for my son's birthday at Disney oh, World. And hey, well, I need have to a great know. time. Yeah, no, thank you. But I, I do need to ask you, like, has Al Snow yeah. been to Disney? Is he a fan of Disney? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Of course. I am a professional roller coaster rider. I love uh, I love Disney. I love Universal Studios. Uh, if you get to Ohio, Cedar Point is amazing. Kings Island is incredible. 
Indiana, in Santa Claus, Indiana, we've got Holiday World. They've got an amazing wooden roller coaster. When it was first debuted, it was the longest, fastest, steepest, most airtime wooden roller coaster in the world at Holiday World. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, 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 big fan of uh, uh, amusement parks. I also kind of feel like a doofus because I asked you if you like Disney. Like, I don't see Spider-Man and Captain America <laughs> literally right behind you. And I'm from Cleveland. Yeah. So thank you for saying the Cedar Point. That made me oh, pop. Yeah. I, I do have to ask, what's a what's a day at Disney without snow like? Like, first off, I guess, what's your favorite Disney character? Oh, my. Uh, uh, back when I was a, a kid, it was Donald Duck, you know. Uh, as you get older, you realize you can't really wear Donald Duck as a Halloween costume, you know. Um, <laughs> you know the people at the other at the rest of the people at the party kind of get offended so yeah uh there it is um we'll get back to disney in a second but now let's talk about some wrestling uh, sure I, I said in the intro uh ovw is legendary uh i'm a midwest boy um yeah. and when we're talking about legends we're talking john cena randy orton brock lesnar that's just to name a few there's plenty oh, yeah. others um for those that aren't steep into the wrestling knowledge like myself um, I guess we'll start here. If you could explain what exactly OVW is and some of its history. Sure. Uh, you know, Danny Davis, uh, Nightmare Danny Davis was a professional wrestler uh, for many years. And um, he uh, he started OVW or Ohio Valley Wrestling, which is located, you know, in the, in the Louisville area. We're in the Ohio River Valley area. So that's why it was called Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, he started back in like 1993. And, um, you know, he, uh, it started without any affiliations or anything of that kind of type, um, truly just an independent operation, uh, through Jim Cornette, uh, and the relationship that Danny had with Jim Cornette, um, and Jim Ross, they created, a like a farm team, you could say, like a developmental system for WWE that allowed prospective talent to have a place to come learn, get polished, get experience. And then they would, when they would debut on the main roster, they were primed and ready to go to be an attraction uh, for WWE. And, uh, you know, OVW was very successful for many years uh, doing that and was responsible for not just Brock Lesnar and John Cena and Batista and Randy Orton. I mean, those were the ones that really stand out. But I mean, Cody Rhodes, CM Punk, uh, you know, the list is we probably have about maybe nearly 200 alumni that have went on to do significant things in wrestling and be a part of the main roster of WWE. And a large majority of those, you know, being significant as far as a you know, being involved in WrestleMania, if not headlining WrestleMania. Um, so we've had a very long and illustrious history. Uh, you know, WWE uh, ceased its uh, relationship um, <coughs> with OVW several years ago. Um, and I was involved at that time as the head of the developmental program um, and training and uh, with OVW. And then when it, the WWE ceased its relationship, I left. But I returned uh, with Impact Wrestling when I was an executive and with help of Bruce Pritchard, we created uh, Impact's developmental program and, you know, it was right up the road from Nashville and it was a no-brainer to, you know, have the partnership again with OVW. Um, and I came back, had another opportunity to, you know, spend time and train and develop young talent. Uh, and then that relationship ended um, and so did mine with OVW and then... In 2018, um, 
somehow I'm still befuddled, but somehow I <laughs> ended up uh, with a couple partners buying buying OVW and starting out on this uh, this amazing adventure again. So. Yeah, no, it's been incredible. And this opportunity, when I first saw the trailer, I was very excited. I was like, yo, this is awesome. Uh, it couldn't be done with, with, with a better. And just you just went down the history of OVW to kind of get an inside look. Um, I guess my question to you, as someone who has been in the business throughout so many of these eras, uh, where yeah. now it just seems like anything that happens backstage is an article on some sort of site. Uh, for you, when you were first approached to be like, look, they want to cover this and they're not just a couple cameras at a show like this is behind the scenes behind the scenes yeah. was that a difficult thing or was it more like no open the doors and come and see come and see how the cake is made <laughs> no no it wasn't just hey come on in no <laughs> i was pretty i was pretty reticent you know i mean i was pretty uh um i was like really questioning and really wondering you know if this should be done my my contention has always been no matter what it is the more familiar you are with uh, something the more contemptuous you become of it and you know it, it it's uh, i've said this on a couple other interviews you know to me pulling back the curtain i know everybody wants that but it, if you've ever watched which who hasn't the wizard of oz you know the entire movie is magic and it's colorful and you know, there, it's, there's no limits to it until you pull the curtain back and you find out there's a short, stubby old man, you know, pulling dial, you know, twisting dials and pushing buttons and pulling chains. And that's all it really was, was just, a, it was just a sham. You know, it, it took all the magic away. And um, I was reluctant to do that. But then I, you know, I've had my experience on Tough Enough uh, that, that was similar, but not, not exactly the same and certainly not nearly as open as we were here um, and to the degree that we were, um, you know, but uh, it, it was still a good eye-opening experience and it made me realize that, you know, an opportunity like this only comes around one time uh, in life to where you can have a chance to, if, if you're a wrestling fan, it's my hope that it will really help you to have more appreciation and respect for just really how challenging it is to be a professional wrestler, you know, even on any level, um, you know, and, and allow everyone, even if you're not a wrestling fan to see these people coming to grips with a dream and then the reality of what it is they have to do to achieve it. And, and for those that have never watched wrestling, I'm hoping that maybe this might create an interest and, you know, um, expand the audience and, and that ran for the, you know, not just OVW, but for the business as a whole, um, you know, and it's my hope, too, that, you know, by opening up like this, maybe it, it ceases this ridiculous trope of, of oh, you, you watch wrestling, that's fake, or, oh, you know, that's just for lowbrow entertainment when, you know, it's been my experience that there have been people from all walks of life that have been wrestling fans and from deans of colleges that approach me at airports to lawyers, doctors, you know, musicians, entertainers uh, that are all wrestling fans and avid, avid wrestling fans and appreciate it for what it is. And I hope that that increases that appreciation with people across all walks of life, because I really feel like historically uh, wrestling has always been the redheaded stepchild of entertainment. Uh, you know, in spite of the fact that it has literally been a cultural mainstay in American pop culture from the 1900s on and has 
consistently and consecutively drawn larger live audiences on a regular basis than basically just about anything else. No, it a hundred percent has been. And I also want to let you know as a fan, uh, no matter how many microphones I talk into and whatever shows as a fan, uh, appreciate what you guys do. And that's why I was looking forward to seeing this because watching these shows and really getting an inside look at, Everything that happens to get into that ring and perform at the level that these athletes perform at, it's just, it's a lot of appreciation for the art. Um, and I, I do want to ask you too, because um, I asked you, like, how much hesitation was there to let these cameras come in and kind of capture what's really going on? Um, when were you first approached? Like, how long has this process been up until now, where again, wrestlers available now on Netflix? When was this first brought up to you? It's been a couple of year process, you know, it, it, it started uh, literally a one in a million chance, you know, um, my uh, partners came in, uh, bought into the company, um, and one of them, he and his wife, uh, apparently, from what I understand, uh, went to school with a, an executive from BBC America that she had come back into town for a wedding, uh, that kind of started the conversation, and then it, it just kind of built from there, and, you know, it... It, it took uh, probably two, two and a half years of, of, hey, this might happen. Hey, they've come and they're going to shoot a teaser reel. Hey, they want to come back and do another one to really pitch it to Netflix. Hey, ne you know, Netflix might sign on. Hey, they did sign on. Hey, they're showing up. Hey, they're here. <laughs> you know, then it's like, well, when's it going to air? When, you know, oh, it might, it'll air, you know, probably, you know, at the beginning of uh, the next year you know, 2023. Oh, it might be at the end of May, uh, the end of March. Well, it might be in April. Well, it might be in May. Hey, it's airing in October. Oh, well, they've moved it up. It's in September. Oh my God, it's here. You know? <laughs> so today's kind of like, it's Christmas. Finally, you know right? I mean? Yeah, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. We finally get to unwrap the package of sitting under the tree. So, you know, and congratulations. Um, yeah, because it's out now. Go check it out on Netflix. And, you know, for you personally, one thing I want to ask you that kind of fascinates me is, mm -hmm. you know, kind of changing your position of being a performer uh, executive to now kind of running the show. And, of course, watching the show, you'll get to see some of the things that you have to handle. Um, probably <laughs> one of the bigger things that you do have to handle, I would assume, is managing personalities where everyone wants to be in the main event. Everyone yeah. wants to be the champ. Um, managing personalities is a very difficult thing. I know you've been asked about CM Punk and everything going on in AEW, but for and he's you, a great guy. You know what I mean? He's 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 a great guy. Just all these all these people are very, uh, you know, you gotta you gotta manage them. You gotta know how to how to how to drive the bus. What's the so speaking of that? that that's my uh, that'll be my question to you. Like, what mm -hmm. I guess? What's the biggest key in driving the bus and making sure everybody's cool to to do the show? uh trust and respect uh are absolute uh the talent have to trust you and they have to respect you and your vision and your direction that it's going to benefit ultimately it's going to be benefit them individually but through benefiting them individually it's going to benefit everyone and when a talent has to be has to take a step back for the betterment and for the for the bigger picture, they got to really trust in you that there's going to be, you know, opportunities and chances for them then to go ahead and take another step forward when the time is right. And, um, you know, I, I hope that I engender that 
uh, trust and respect in the talent um, because without it, you know, I, there, there's no way you can operate. There's just not way, no way. Uh, Al Snow joining us here on the Sporting Tribune today. Wrestlers out now on Netflix. Uh, before we close this out with more Disney questions, um, I do want to ask you about the wrestling business today. You know, you, you kind of brought up how it's it's been looked at as the redheaded stepchild and lowbrow entertainment. Um, yeah. I've been fortunate enough this year to be able to travel to a lot of shows, to Puerto Rico, uh, to, to LA, to WrestleManias, all these big events. Um, it yeah. just seems that kind of, you know, every form of entertainment is like a roller coaster. Everything's up sure. and down. It just seems the business is very hot. Um, uh, earlier this week, the WWE is not owned by Vince McMahon as a majority owner. I didn't think yeah. that would ever be possible. To be honest, I, I thought the man either. was going to outlive me. Um, yeah. And you see some of these sales and AEW and Wembley, um, just all of this stuff. Like, where do you see how the business is today? Where do you see it? I think it's great, you know, and, and the business, you know, is cyclical. I mean, it, you know, it, it goes up and it goes down. And even back when we had regional territories, one territory would get hot and another would drop off. And, you know, that's pretty normal um, and pretty, uh, pretty atypical. Um, but, you, you know, now we're at a place in a time where we've come back around where, you know, the, the mainstream, the, the general audience is starting to, again, take more of a prominent interest in, in wrestling, uh, I think. And, you know, we've got to strike while the iron's hot. As, a, as an art, as an industry, we've got to pull together and, and give that audience what they want to see. You know, they want to, people just want to escape. When, you know, when it, com when it comes right down to it, you know, I, I, you know, people with, they got their families and, you know, they got the bills and, you know, especially these days, I mean, for God's sakes, it costs so much to live. And all they want to do is when they go somewhere to a movie or to a wrestling event or anything, they want to be able to forget all about that trouble. They want to forget that by buying the tickets that they did to go to the event that now they're going to probably have to pay the power bill late. And they want to be able to believe believe in who those wrestlers are and why they're out there in that ring doing it, that, that, that the wins and losses really have a consequence, that they really matter, that there's real drama hinging on whether or not the person that you identify with wins tonight, you know? And that's where that real emotion comes from. It allows you, while you're in there, to go, yeah, I know I gotta pay my phone bill late, but you know what, I'll get to it, you know, because I'm having fun. And that, and, and I endeavor to try to allow an audience to do that as much as possible. I like the way that you said endeavor, endeavor by the way. Um, very well put with everything going on. Um, before we get out of here, two questions. Sure. Two quick ones. This one's super important because I, I need you to think very, very hard on this one. When yeah. it comes to just Disney parks, yes. just Disney parks, what's your favorite ride? I'd have to say Space Mountain. I love that ride. We, we one time we were out in Anaheim, you know, um, and Mick Foley and Scotty Tuhati and I, uh, after the show, took off and went over to Disney. We got in and we had a guest relations. It, it totally by chance, you know what I mean? Was the park closed or open? Was it no, about to close? It was, it was it was open, and we we only had a couple hours to ride as much as we could ride, and we had this wonderful guest relations lady because literally. <laughs> We go up and we try to, you know, hey, we're with WWE and, 
you know, because apparently one of the fireworks guys that was working at the uh, event that we did in Anaheim at the pond worked for Disney said, I, I'll hook you guys up. So we went over. They weren't going to listen. So they call the guest relations people, right? The people that take like Michael Jackson and all that around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're the standing fancy jackets. there. We're standing there, right? And and they're still not like, we're not getting over it at all. Then this kid comes running up out of nowhere and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, your house, no, your house, no. Oh. He was freaking out. And he goes, I just got hit by a car, but I saw you, your house, no. And he just like goes running off. And just as the guest relations people walk up and see us, and then they go, oh, well, come on in. And, you know, so they assumed that we were now big celebrities because this kid was freaking out about me and uh, took us on all the rides. And we, one of the rides that we went on, I think it was like two, maybe three times was uh, Space Mountain. We, now, hold we on. They had one. you guys waiting like outside by like the ticket information and stuff? Yeah. Or like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that sounds like a commotion waiting to happen. Shout out to that was, kid. He's now someone's father. Yeah, that kid got me over, man. And it got me into, got, it got us into Disney for free. So. There it is. So Space Mountain, Mick yeah. Foley, Scotty yeah. Tuhati, and Al yeah. Snow. Wow, that is legendary. Um, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll close out with this one then. Um, mm-hmm. You have someone walking into your house for the first time yeah. and you have to impress them. You okay. have to impress them and you can only show them one thing in your house. Could be yeah. the yard, could be the garage, could be in the house or the backyard. What are yeah. you showing them? Uh, probably my collection of uh, statue, comic book statues and artwork that I have here in the office. Which one's one that you hold most dearly to your heart? I, I have a, uh, uh, I've got a piece of, uh, it's a pencil artwork. I don't know if I can really show it, but hold on, I'll show you. And uh, it's of the Joker, and it, um, was, I bought it, and it was, and I'll see if you can see it. Can you see that? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and my. It, it's, and what it is, is the artist took it and made it, it was a, it was a cover of Time Magazine, um, where they had introduced uh, 3D technology into movies, and they had that was a, the uh, was a cover from Time Magazine, and then he put the Joker's face in, and all the audience like they'd been Joker guest. So I just I think that's that's pretty awesome. So that's amazing. Well, listen, I don't know how many media, more interviews you got to do on your press run. I'm thankful to be a part of it, and I think I'm the oh, only one you. that got a mini tour of the house, Al. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank you no joining us the legend again go check out wrestlers seven part docuseries on netflix binge it watch it weekly whatever you need to do but go watch it ovw is legendary uh and i'm looking forward to watching this uh show as i make my way back to the west coast but from disney world al we'll talk yes. to you soon my friend all right thank you have a blast down there just my opinion, feel like we had a solid show for Sabrina Merchant and Al Snow. I go by the name of Adrian Hernandez. Be sure to connect with me on Twitter at AdrianRadio93. Let's do this again next week. This has been the Sporting Tribune today. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.